in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Top Ten Show. I am John Roca. I am Matt Nost. I am fresh off a monster truck, Matt Nost. I was in Anaheim today. Did you see? I've never, I've never been to a monster truck rally. Neither had I till today. Uh, you know how was it? <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I think it's funny that you spent a lot of time in West Virginia, and I grew up. In, oh, just because you're reading this. No, the I'm just, you've talked about it before, but it, and lived, and I lived in, I grew up in Southern Virginia. Yet neither of us have been to a monster truck rally. Uh, I remember Bigfoot. Yes, when I was a kid. Me too. That was. That was the one. That was the only one. There was a famous monster truck. And yes. that was it. But that never compelled me. What I saw in the clips in the trailer, just like, I'm good. <laughs> when they ever advertised, if I happened to see it, be like, oh, that's pretty sweet. I don't need to see that live. It's like, like the motocross stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, there was motocross stuff there as well. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same type of thing. It looks cool as hell on TV. I can't imagine setting aside an entire day to go watch it. It's weird. People bring their families and sit down and watch this stuff. Yeah. And I, I guess I shouldn't say weird because I don't want to offend anybody. I think it's more like it's it's a foreign thing to me. I, I would not see myself spending three or four hours 1, watching this, right? Exactly. But I totally respect that people like that because yeah. I'm sure people look at football or uh, NASCAR or any number of sports and go like, I don't get why people waste have any you, time with that. Or have baseball. you done NASCAR? I've never done NASCAR, but I've watched NASCAR. Okay, I can't do that. Yeah? I did IndyCar. I did the Indy 5 once. Okay. And uh, it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they fly past. It's loud as shit. Right. And that's all. They're just driving in, you know, yeah. an oval. Yeah. And boom. <laughs> they just, and they're gone for a while. And they just, boom. That's all they're doing. It's, it's cool. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a lot of but fun. But I can't imagine making that like my sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I do. If I watch it, it's, it's like a Saturday afternoon. And I'm, I got nothing else to do. I'm like, fuck, I put it on, have a beer or two, and then just fucking chill out and watch it. But it's not that often, you know. So I, I, it's, it's rare when I do it, but I don't mind it when I what do it. What does that mean? Because I can also say it's rare for me in that it's never happened. Oh, <laughs> so well, I, I would not say anything's rare if, it, if I've done it. Okay. So, yeah, like once a year maybe I'll do it. I don't know what race really? might be on. Yeah. Sit down and watch NASCAR. Oh, yeah. I've been in a hotel room once and just kind of sat there for four hours and watched NASCAR. The, the only time just, I've been – But I'm on my computer as well. When Dick Trickle was new and I saw it on ESP that they were doing <laughs> updates of that. And I was like – it was the, the height of their reverence. Yeah. You know, before now, it's like they know they're supposed to do that. That's part of the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was creating the brand. It was right. like this is this is just great. It was one after another after another. Like they just kept coming up with these interesting, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they had their catchphrases and yeah. their personalities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, monster truck, ne- I mean, never or NASCAR, never or right. it's just not going to happen. But the Venn diagram when you're crossing over of professional wrestling fans, sure. horror fans, and monster truck fans. Is actually bigger than you think. So, I, I was. Makes sense. I mean, yeah, with professional wrestling, because now monster trucks, from what we saw today, uh, and I know we're going to talk about the top ten and movies and all that jazz, but like, um, they actually each of them has an intro, kind of like they what have you characters. Get. Yeah, the characters. There's mm-hmm. a Titantron. There's a get to know this driver type thing video, which I thought was fun to experience and see. 
We didn't stay, obviously, because the show was at 7 o'clock. We just got saw the practice of them, okay. and that was fun enough. And, of course, interviewing the writers for Zombieland Double Tap, that was fun. So all that kind of shit was great. It's like a first event for my Outlaw Nation uh, channel. It was fun to do that. Nice. And uh, it was great to be down there. But, um, you know, we're here to talk about movies. I don't know, how are you? Uh, well, it's kind of on brand for Outlaw. Outlaw could go Monster Truck. That's true. Very true. Outlaw could be X Games. Could be X Games. Yes. There's a lot the Outlaw could do. Could it be archery? I don't know if it's archery. Could it be darts? Why not? Darts. There's, so long as there is an Outlaw archer, <laughs> there's an Outlaw interest. So Bullseye, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, have you seen the cocky bowlers? Oh, my God. There's a couple that are just, there's one dude that wears like his hair is ridiculous and he yeah. wears these ridiculous outfits. And I've seen one where a guy like every time he bowls a strike, so just goes like crazy. <laughs> this, this weird middle aged dude. Like, all right. <laughs> Whatever you got to do to self-sport, man. That's to what get it people is. There. That's what it is, man. It is. You're creating a character. Hopefully, it gets more fucking coverage somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a pro tour for all kinds of stuff like frisbee oh, golf. Sure, of course. There's a pro tour for frisbee golf. Oh yeah, all over the place. But that doesn't make sense to me. Why? Golf, this country's open for everything, man. I know, I know. It's all sponsors, and then I guess maybe they have a, a you know tournament prize. Yeah. Whenever they play these other things, but. Yeah. Just the idea, and the I think the top whatever percent makes six figures doing it. Yeah, yeah, doing it. That's that's the life. Bowlers is even more. Yeah, because they bring a lot of attention to the game. But they just have a higher profile. Mm-hmm. It's it's. I mean, good for you. How do you start at? Like, do you think you have to start at like in most sports? Like, start at 15, 12 years old, becoming a bowler, or do you think you pick it up when you're, you're older and you just figure sure, it out? I'm sure, you could. Right. So long as you're, because uh, it's all about like. You know, you need to just line up the perfect delivery for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So however in shape you need to be for that. Right, to make that happen. Yeah. The pressure. If you can figure out what that motion is where you're rolling nicely, then it, you just kind of need to be flexible enough to do that. Exactly. Consistently. I'm rolling nicely. Well, that's what, whenever you watch <laughs> them, I mean, the release is perfect. Oh, yeah. It just goes off. The and spin. It's the same. They do the same motion, just like any professional, like a yep. tennis player. Forehand looks almost always the same type of on backhand is the same. Yeah. Uh, I've always wanted to play Cody because Cody's supposedly a great bowler, a good bowler rather. Cody Hall. Yeah, and I've always wanted the challenge. We don't know any other Cody. Yeah, it's fair, fair. I don't uh, know if the fans are thinking anybody else. Yeah, but it'd be fun to play him once, just once, toe to toe, mano y mano. I either do like I'll have like a badass game and I roll one fifty, mm. or I roll an eighty one. Yeah, right, exactly. Just and the badasses. My mom bowled was in a league when I was a kid. Oh shit! So. You know, I didn't bowl every week with her, right. but I'd bowl a couple times, like, you know, here and there and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get the gist of the game, but I never sat down to do it. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's like uh, occasionally, like, I'm throwing rocks tonight, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, 135 coming oh. into the 10th. Yeah, it's just like feeling good. Uh, and then it's an 80. And it's like, mother, f- you keep just. Yeah. It's I like s- a nine every time. And you're like, Oh my god, man! I'll have one. I'll have like the, the first or the second game is usually like my best game, and like you, it'll be anywhere from one twenty to one fifty is great. Mm-hmm. And then I start to lose it, and when I start to lose it, I start to switch balls and go like, oh, maybe I should go to a nine or a sixteen or a twelve. So I'm trying all these, and it doesn't matter. It, really, it's no. all irrelevant. Well, you're in your head at that point. Yeah, exactly. So and you're I've not going to get out by that point. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Shooters got to shoot, man. You just got to keep going. That's right. You know that. Got to have confidence. With basketball, you know. I think that works for any, if you're genuinely going to do that. It's only, you know, it's a solitary sport. Right. 
sport. Right. But it is a, that, that to me is closer to a sport. Bowling is. Well, because it's I agree, hand coordination it's and it's, yeah. uh, you know, it still takes skill yeah. to be really And there is really pressure. Yeah. And people are playing well next to you, putting the pressure on you. So, you, you know. And when you get really good, you need to know like how much oil or whatever, how slick the surface is. And you like change up your ball yeah. and how much rotation you put on your spin and all that shit. Like, okay, I'm never, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never going to play uh, enough games. You know what I mean? Just give me an idea, man, for a Rocky film about a bowler. Who's the trainer? Well, didn't they do that with Kingpin? It's a comedy. Yeah, man. that's a comedy. It's bowling. Yeah. It's going to be a comedy. But Woody was like Woody was Randy Quaid's age around that, or around that age. He wasn't like I'd like to say a Mickey, like an old. I remember I used to throw rocks in the fifties. <laughs> I don't know. It would be fun to see something. <laughs> it's got to be a better sport. <laughs> I just think I don't know. You never know. It's Americana. It could be a great movie. It could be. Who's going to see it? That's true. It's the a movie fair about point. bowling. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is Chris uh, Nolan doing this? Because now you got my attention. You're interested. Well, I'm just saying, what name do you have attached? Diddy Villeneuve? Oh, this is going to be a weird, stylized bowling movie. Yeah, Villeneuve would be interesting. Like, it's a real epic bowling uh, movie. P.T. Anderson, so you just oh, focus on all the characters in the bowling alley? That wouldn't be a bad that idea. That would be a pretty good movie. Coen Brothers. Oh, well, the Coen over did it with Lebowski. It, it so, yeah, never mind. Yeah, but yes, P.T. Anderson I like. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could do it. I'm seeing it. It's I'm, possible. I'm seeing it in my head. Um, anyway, uh, you guys are tuning to hear us talk about bowling or monster trucks. You're tuning in to hear us talk about the top ten uh, movies of 2019, well, right? Yes, but do we want to talk about Houston? First? Oh yeah, we should. Uh, we've got some bit of news to clear up, so uh, sit back, relax. Let's talk about this now. Yeah, uh, we were hoping by the time you hear this, there'll be a post on Facebook or on Twitter, and we'll have more uh, yeah. information for you. But as of right now, we canceled the Houston shows. Yes, take a moment to hear that. We canceled both Houston shows. Uh, we apologize. Yes. We're working on a backup venue, mm-hmm. and the reason we've held out a couple of days instead of telling you on social media by the time you hear this is we're trying to figure out the reimbursements for the tickets and you yeah. know, everything you guys have paid so far. Yeah. So we'll have information on, for you guys going forward. It was just – the situation wasn't working out, and we didn't feel comfortable. So we were like, you know what? Let's stop this now before people pay for flights yes. and hotels and find a situation that's more comfortable. Yeah. For what we're trying to do. We just weren't happy with how things were going down. There were some promises made and promises unkept. Uh, and then some uh, fiddle-faddle, some uh, hijinks, yeah. some tomfoolery on on uh, on a certain side of this uh, thing. And uh, we weren't happy with it. And uh, we didn't like that some of the cost was being passed on to you all as um, – yeah. Uh, as top 10 people, like, there's no way you should be paying $11 a service charge for a $25 ticket. That yeah. is way it's too expensive. Highway robbery. Exactly. And highway robbery. And we didn't know about that. Before we no. closed this deal and set it all up, We they did not tell us Never disclosed. that that was a situation. So we felt it wasn't the right thing for us at this point. I know. It just felt like gouging. Yeah. Two-show ticket was 40 bucks and it's 22 in fees. Yeah. We're not trying to like gouge no. anybody who comes. We're had, always happy. Had they told us it's going to be an $11 yeah. ticket fee, we would have said no. Yeah. Like, okay, we'll find a different venue because that's that's gross. Exactly. Because we've never had this problem with any other venue in terms no. of overcharging, in our opinions, for a service fee for a ticket. That's ridiculous. I it, mean, we're not the uh, the freaking stones no or need. anything. Yeah, this yeah. is not happening at a like the, at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, there right. I can understand logistics of having to keep forty thousand seats straight. Of course, or whatever the case is, but it's one hundred and fifty seats. Yeah, like why are we paying eleven dollar per? Yeah, so it was it was a number of different factors. Yeah, uh, that some weren't disclosed and some weren't fulfilled, mm-hmm. and it, it was just 
uh, to the point where we're like, you know what, uh, let's let's find somewhere that's going to deliver a better show for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because if we're in a better mood showing up to do it and everything's copacetic like it's been every other time, mm-hmm. then we're going to deliver one of the greatest performances <laughs> in the history of, of mankind. And we're working True. on backup dates. We are. Uh, found some other venues and uh, discussing with ourselves. And hopefully we have some sort of answer for you soon. Yeah. Um, it would be nice. And, we, you know, we just don't want – we want you all – we know that you all work hard for your money and we don't – and we always appreciate you spending money on the ticket to come see us. That's why we want mm-hmm. to deliver you a good show. But we don't want to put you in a situation where you feel uncomfortable spending the amount of money you're spending to come see us. Even though we know you're going to get a great show, we don't want you feeling any ill will or uh, just feeling like we didn't look this thing over thoroughly enough and we're passing the costs on to you. No. We care about you. You've yeah. come with us for many years, you, for the new ones and the old ones. You've been with us for a bit and we respect you all so much, so we didn't want to have an issue where you all felt kind of a bit betrayed by us. We would never want that to happen between us and you all. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, beautifully said. And um, so, yeah, the, you know, mm-hmm. it sucks it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, we're, we'll hopefully have the information on the reimbursements for you very soon. That's what's been holding us off now. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we have that information, we will pass it along immediately via at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash top 10 show all spelled out um, or on our Twitters at Matt Nost at The Roca Says. Yes. And, uh, and at top 10 show. We will let you know because, you know, we want to get you your money back and we want you to come see us uh, once we have that new venue set up. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And London, we're still coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the books. Yeah. That's done. We've we've paid the deposit. We yeah. are coming. May 2nd. May 2nd, baby. That is happening. <laughs> King's Place. The doors open at 7, shows at 8, 30 pounds. Houston, hear the excitement. That excitement will come back to you once we have that new date. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, so London, we are coming. Please meet us at King's Place on May 2nd. Go to kingsplace.co.uk. You can pick up your tickets there. Uh, uh, can't wait to do that one again. Hopefully we can get you know one or two shows in between now and then. Yeah, yeah. Brought it off pretty quick and uh, some more uh, after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you want to jump into the show? Let's do it. You want to tell them how it works? Uh, once we set a topic, which we have for this best of 2019, mm-hmm. we go our separate ways and create individual top 10 lists. Show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. Uh, great year. Yes. Surprisingly so in the last three months of the year. When I had felt like maybe it wasn't as strong as I was hoping, it really ended like gangbusters, man. It's all over the place. Yep. There were some uh, – from early summer on, there are some excellent movies in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. This could easily be a t- top 15, top 16 kind of Sure, year. sure. Uh, I'd go 25 even, to be honest with you. Well, there's a Is bunch I haven't up? seen yet. Well, a bunch, but mm. um, I don't know if they'll show up on your list. So I, don't, I guess I don't want to say them. Fair enough, yeah. Uh and by bunch, I mean there's only three or four that I'm like, I wish I had made time for that. Right, right. And we're going to talk about these films. Some of you may not have seen these, so we're going to try, I think, keep these as spoiler-free as possible. No, we've always done spoiler in the past. So okay, we'll, all right. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah, spoiler. we're going to talk about it. Uh, we'll have time codes Yeah. down in the description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please look those time codes up uh, if you don't want something spoiled. And uh, all right, you ready to jump right yeah, in? Yeah, let's do this. A lot of choices. I do have one honorable mention, I think, for the first time ever. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, specifically, this oh. was – I wanted to put this on uh, – should I go ahead and tell you that one? Now? If you, you want. It? Sure. Dark Waters. Okay. Good stuff. The Mark Ruffalo film. Yeah. yeah. Just in that it actually changed my behavior. Wow. We threw out all our Teflon uh, 
And going forward, we won't use that, and we'll look out for that chemical and other things. Too. Mm. It had an effect on my life. Wow. Uh, for the better. So okay. that's my honorable mention. That's good. 10 is Apollo 11. Okay. Did you see it? Yes, I did. I interviewed the director for um, Deep Cut. Okay. Yeah, Todd Douglas Miller. He's fantastic. Uh, great, great film. I knew what it was going into it, but right. yet I was still transfixed. Yeah. Because of all the footage I've never seen. Like, you know, here's the different levels of mission control and mm-hmm. going back in the back room that does this. And it's all the footage from that era, plus yeah. everything that's on the shuttle and down on the moon itself. Yeah. And the the... You know, the the live uh, timelines between the two, and you're seeing it all unfold from footage. It's great that it exists. Yeah. Uh, we'll have way too much of it going forward, of anything. From that time, though, it's just this singular source. Yeah. And it's pretty – it's just mesmerizing to watch, at least for someone like us, yeah. I guess, that, uh, you know, the space – program still does something for me now and i like that we're going back out and exploring more absolutely i lobbied really hard to get him into the office because i mean one of the reasons i started that podcast and it's now as as most of you know i've been let go from collider so that podcast is in limbo Mm -hmm. um i don't know what's gonna happen with the audio because i started that thing i pitched that thing i recorded that thing wendy and i booked guests for that thing no one else had any uh uh thing to do with that podcast so I lobbied hard because the reason I started it was to get people into this collider office that weren't getting turned down or were not getting interviewed because they didn't bring in supposedly massive clicks or massive views. I did it so that we could get people in here who would add some more credibility to the name and to the brand. And Todd Douglas Miller was one of those – when the email came across, I immediately jumped on it. And I was like, I would like to have him for the deep cut. He was like third, my third or fourth episode and I said, this is what it is. This is what I want it to be. The publisher was incredibly kind to bring him in and Todd did it for an hour and he was incredible and really down-to-earth guy, <laughs> pun intended. But um, – and then spoke about the time they spent on this thing, 11,000 hours of footage uh, it's like 40,000 hours of audio footage. I can only imagine. And, and compiling it all. And, of course, I got to ask him the question, which I thought was my favorite question to ask him. And anyway, was, did you see any Kubrick in any of the pic- any of the video to see if maybe? And he's like, no, there was no Kubrick. Wow. Well, so, he got the altered yeah, right, deep state version, man. What do you expect? That's a fair point. That's a fair point. It is. Is it? Is it? <laughs> As far as conspiracy theories go, that's my one of my dumbest. Like you guys are fucking morons. Ellis believes that we don't. He doesn't You're know if we landed on the moon. Fucking moron. <laughs> because a, a, there's no way everybody can keep these secrets. No way. There's no way. Yeah. But B, people are going back. Yes. So the lie will get found out because we left shit there. Yeah, we did. So how did we get it there if we never went? So basically, it's just like. We're building our entire reputation yeah. upon this kind of act of humanity or act of mankind. Exactly. And it's just a lie? <laughs> That's really hard for me to believe. I don't disagree. I've always believed Unless that all those guys are like, I'll be long dead. Yeah. So who right. cares? Screw it. Yeah. Just destroy my legacy and the legacy of my country. <laughs> I won't be around to see it. Yeah. Who cares? Um, but yeah. It's anyway, pretty he, sweet in the moment. <laughs> true. He talked about so much of uh, the team and how how many hours and how many years they worked on this had thing to, to get be. it right. And, it, and how they had to pick that – they wanted to pick that footage from the people watching it outside to show that mix of people, you know, black uh, and white, what, the vibrant colors, the protests, seeing, all of it. Seeing just everyday people. Yeah. Just who were so fascinated. Well, just down there well, hanging out like, 
that was hanging out at the beach down in Florida culture yeah. in the 1960s. Yeah. Okay, this is interesting. What do they do? Okay, so they still do the blanket thing, and then they, yeah. this is their version of that. I got you. Lay, uh, laying out of the back of the uh, uh-huh. of the wagon, the station wagon, all of that to watch this. All. So you forget that there was a time when this was like like marvelous How could it not witness. be? Yeah. How could it not be? Yeah. For all of man's existence, they have looked out. Into the mm. heavens and not been able to reach it. And now suddenly we are going, going to try and reach it. How do you not go watch yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. It's a fair point. Uh, and one last thing. It, was, it, it kind of really solidified this recent trend in documentaries where there is no narrator. It's mm. just full on delivered the way it's delivered. Yeah. And the narration essentially is the compilation of the pieces of audio of this whole entire mission mm-hmm. as it goes along from a culmination also of audio of um, newscasts and things of that nature. So that was brilliant. Oh, Cronkite yeah. stuff was incredible. Yeah, it's a Cronkite. But then you have mission control. Yeah. You have the astronauts. They're all moving yeah. the action along as it goes. Yeah, it's a good choice, man. Yeah, it was. It was. I knew what it was, and it still was better than I was anticipating. Right, right. <sighs> Nine is uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, great choice! I like that movie a lot, a lot as well. It just at the end of the day, it was unique. Yeah. It moved me. Um, the ridiculous nature of the body slam thing <laughs> at the end fit it so beautifully. Yeah. Fit it so beautifully because they they earned it. Yes, they of built and built and built yeah. and created, you know, fully formed characters. So by the end. You could have something like this. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't see Honey Boy. I don't know if it made you list or not. No, no, it didn't. Um, Good film, though. Yeah, it's one of the ones that I need to see. Yeah. Uh, but I was out of town kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, for a while. But I will eventually. There's there's like three or four that mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to see that. Right. But there's others that unless everybody tells me it's good, right now it's just bunch, it made a bunch of random lists. Right. Like, I have no idea if it's a style that I enjoy or not. Probably yeah. should take a chance on it. Yeah. There's only so many hours in the day that I got free to watch movies. <laughs> That's true. And I, I still watch a lot of movies, as do you. Yes, I do. Yes, so, I do. I, I ain't slacking, baby. I ain't slacking. No, no one's anyway, accusing you such. Peanut Butter Falcon. Um, <clears throat> God, what to say about it. I think what really sold me on it is when the first time that Shia LaBeouf stands up for me, punches the other kid. Yeah. Uh, it gave it a lot of heart mm-hmm. and realism. Um, that I could identify with because that's who what you would want to happen in that moment because that's just a punk little kid. Yeah. Every once and again, there's a punk little kid that needs to get his mouth punched. Right. Much as you can't do that in this day and age. No. But sadly, sometimes a boy, unfortunately, as I'm just saying, from my own experience, <laughs> and all the boy, the, all my friends growing up, occasionally one of us it would have, in hindsight, looking back, you know what? Had we just punched him in the mouth right there, it, the situation would have been much better. Yeah. Sometimes the young ones shoot their mouth off uh, yeah. in, in person or in social media and deserve a punch in the mouth. So and there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. It teaches you – we used to be able to do that as uh, human beings in this world, not just in this country, but in this world, because that was a way of wisening you up, you know? And so – not a, not a negative, but I'm sad we've walked away from it. So you know, cause people call it salt and batter and all well, that. Yeah, yeah. It, we're we're of a, di- a different generation. <sighs> I'm not advocating no beating up kids. Not beating saying, up. No, but I'm saying if if this the cuffs, like yeah, you know, if it happens, it happens. Well, you thing. shouldn't be allowed to say whatever the hell you want to say and not have any repercussions. That shouldn't happen either. Exactly, there has to be a line here. There um, definitely is. Yeah. But that's one of those of the law is black and white. It is. But life is gray and just like, yeah, but he's 16 and he fucking full well knows yeah, exactly what he's saying. Doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that one's too like, you know, uh, have you seen the, the – there's a clip of a kid 
and he's just going off on this dude, and it looks like a concession stand at a park or a pool oh. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, uh, the kid kind of goes up and starts hitting him, and all this, and the guy throws him down onto the ground, and the kid instantly is like. Just freaks out and he's like, fuck you, it's up. He's like, this guy's beating me up. Like, starts, you know, go the other way and be like, nah, kid, you're just a little punk. Yep. And you need to get put in your fucking place. Exactly. Because your dad didn't again. do it, clearly. Yeah. Or whatever the case is. Yeah. Or it's you're having a tough home life and you're taking it out on the world. Unfortunately, that's not how life works, nope. my man. Yeah. Uh, I feel for you. Yeah. I feel for you. Yeah. Or if it's just bad parenting or it's just a jerk kid. I don't know what it is, but in that moment, watching that clip, I'm like, no, this kid deserved it. Yep. This kid deserved it. I'm glad I'm not the one that has to fight the law on this. Right. But as a society, from afar, I can go, fuck, that, I got, that dude's got my vote. <laughs> can I be on the jury? Because uh, not guilty. Not guilty. <laughs> not guilty is what I say to that. Okay. And you pay damages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you little 16-year-old. Get you in there my, two, yeah. my fucking grass for the next two years. Right. Get in there and work two jobs. Yes. That's a fair punishment. <laughs> You got to do a chore in essence. Yeah. You don't putatively need him damage because he's a kid. <laughs> but you got to learn. Life's got fucking repercussions. It does. You got to learn early. You do. Um, well, this, like you said, this film is absolutely beautiful. I, I loved watching it. Tyler Nissel and Michael Schwartz. Again, I, I had them on the deep cut. Uh, great. We talked about that film. Mm-hmm. They were incredible. Uh, in, in fact, as you're listening to this, last night at the uh, Hollywood Critics Association Awards, I gave the Best Newcomer Award to Zach Gunsagan, who's the kid. Oh, look at that. Oh, thank you. Shake your hand thank there. you. Who was the kid who plays the the you know the kid with Down syndrome? He actually obviously he has Down syndrome himself. Both the directors said that they discovered him at some camp that they were doing like. Oh, I heard about that. Right uh, at the time, yeah, 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 they were doing acting classes for, and oh. he just was incredible. He stood out. He commanded the room, commanded the people, and it just felt it just felt natural that they would write something for him or create something for him. And who knew that this incredibly beautiful film was going to come out of that experience? And and Dakota Johnson's great in this. Uh, uh, like you said, Shia LaBeouf uh, and the kids. Zach is fantastic. Just this relationship of him wanting to become a professional wrestler and the things he goes on. Uh, like we all are. Uh, we go on these crazy journeys trying to pursue our dreams who's, and follow them. Who's the old man in the beginning of the nursing home that helps him break out? That's uh, Bruce DeDern. Is that okay? Yeah, Bruce. That's Dern. Dern. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it was floating between like three, four different actors in my head. I was like, no, no. <laughs> Fuck, kind of looks like him though. I know yeah. it does. Yeah, it's Bruce Dern in a small part. Yeah. Just wakes up. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I was an engineer. This is what we got to do. That greases him up. Yeah, yeah. He's just running around greased up. But you got to get out. Like that's yeah. a legit. I mean, it, it was such a good movie <laughs> that. The three of them creating kind of a family unit by the end. Yeah, yeah. Made sense. Of course. Totally made sense. Um, All right. It was effective as a movie. Agreed. My number eight is mm-hmm. Ford versus Ferrari. Uh, okay, hold on. Let me – sorry. I got my code up on my phone. That is my number eight. So, yeah, perfect. Perfect timing. Love that film. My God, what a blast that film was. <laughs> I saw it. And not IMAX but the Dolby. Sound, yeah. Right? Gorgeous. Yes. Gorgeous. And at the end of the movie, I look over and Catherine is pulling out her Bluetooth, uh, you know, earpieces because it was too loud. Oh. And she had to muffle it. She's like, I almost had to leave. And I'm like, oh, really? It just it, – to feel the engines rev yeah. and they're taking every turn. I mean, it's just pure electricity. Yeah. And it's one of those um, – spoke to Bernie Knapp, patron of the show afterwards. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I knew the story, but I didn't know the story. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I knew the nuts and bolts are like the outline of Ford going mm-hmm. to Le Mans. Mm-hmm. But not the intricacies of, oh, it was this driver, it was this, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And to be fully enraptured with, uh, you know, uh, it could have a movie like uh, Driven 
What was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Which was good, but I don't think it captivated me to this level. You mean Rush? A Rush. Yes. Driven's uh, the Stallone one. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I only saw the trailer for that. When he goes around a bend and whatnot and has to hit like a quarter. Yeah. And it picks it up on the tire because it's fucking been heated up and whatnot. And he's just, I saw that in the trailer. I was like, no. <laughs> no. Let no, me, nobody. Let me tell you all the ways this is wrong. No, just, <laughs> this is what you're showing me to go, this character is fucking awesome. <laughs> like, no. Oh, Rennie Harlan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's such a fun film and, you know, a real relationship between Christian Bale and Matt Damon's characters mm-hmm. and what they went through. And um, Christian Bale is incredible in this film, man. It's every, you know, the thing is, yeah, the Batman stuff, but when he gets a chance to really shine, he fucking knocks it out of the park. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah. And Damon does a great thing, job as well, kind of. He has to be the counter to what, you know, what uh, Bale is doing, which is an eccentrically interesting character. Yeah, he's a straight man. Exactly. He has to be the straight man. And same thing Wahlberg did in The Fighter, just playing the straight man and let Bale do his thing. But when they culminate in that fight at the end, I think it's fantastic. It's really heartfelt and mm-hmm. and moving. And then, you know, what eventually occurs as they go along. And, man, I didn't know that that happened to him. The three-way tie? Yes. The, me oh. either. Me either. <coughs> well, I was so pissed. If I were the other two drivers yeah. that were on his team, I would go full on. I'm not taking number one. Exactly. He's, forfeit. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'll, I'll do whatever I got to do. Yeah. I'm not taking number one. Yeah, yeah. But the guy that got number one, you know, he went on to have a career of his own. Yeah, true, true, became true. a Shelby, in essence, yeah. afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as my recollection or understanding is. So it's it's just incredible. And Mangold directed the, the hell out of this film. Yeah, beautifully. Yeah. When Ferrari looks down and uh, does a little tip of the cap to Christian Bale. Yeah. You're like, you were, you were the best. Yeah. You were the best. And it's like, you got them right. <laughs> <laughs> and there it's like kind of on Bale's side. You're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tiny little Italian man. That's right. Sometimes you just know and you have to push to just uh, make dude. people see it, you know? Well, it's not even. It, it's a – you know, I've been, yeah. I, I've been around this a long time. Yeah. That was – it was you. Yeah. That was all you. You right. were so thoroughly impressive. I don't care what the record books say. I don't care what the outcome was. Right. Um, you know, for a sports reference like the the first year that LeBron lost on the Cavs against the Warriors. Oh, yeah. When Kyrie and Kevin Love went down. Like you should have been MVP yep. because that was a Herculean effort and you got more games than I thought you would. You changed the entire identity of the team. That was so thoroughly impressive and a yeah. losing effort that you deserved the MVP. Yeah. And, you know. And almost caught him. He almost got him. Nah, I wouldn't go that far. If they hadn't figured it out in the second or third game, he got him. I wouldn't go that far. They'd, All right. They changed their identity to a defensive-minded <clears throat> squad, which is great. And it was working That's well what for they them. they did. But they have so much firepower on the other side. I know. It's really tough to – and ultimately that bore out. Yeah, it did. If you can't score somewhere near, then you would need to do this four straight games of shutting down this offense. That's difficult to do. It's, an, it's a tall order for sure. It for is. sure. Even with you know Chris, uh, Tristan Thompson going off last night. He can't do that every night <laughs> it's true. as LeBron's running mate. Della Vadova. He ain't winning it with Della Vadova for God's sakes. Not um, a series like that. <laughs> no, no. But it was close. It was close. It was interesting. Uh, more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Uh, yeah, for sure. I thought for sure he had them. I was like, he's going to lure them right into the fucking pit. And they, because I thought, because they were young, that LeBron could mentally uh, mess with them and drag them. But but Curry has a resolve that's beyond his years. Yeah. And has always been there. Um, and I think that's what bore out in the end that he, they figured it out. Him and Kerr figured it out with Clay and with Draymond and everything. So, without a doubt. But it was a great series. But to you watch. get to that point, and 
the day of a lone superstar is gone. Yeah, right. Exactly. To win a championship, yeah, you just, yeah, yeah. it's it's damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, uh, all right. So that was your number eight. Uh, that was my eight. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is a film I've spoken about many times, and I'll give it love again, Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay. Um, that is just one that I, I will champion until the end of time for 2019, you know. Love that film to pieces. Uh, Jimmy Fails, incredible in the film, uh, and uh, Jonathan Majors as well. Just great relationship between these two men. And um, first-time director Joe Talbot and what they create here, this idea of the illusion of what you've been told, the illusion of the stories that you've told yourself and how dangerous that can be for constructing your reality when you deep inside know that it's not true. Mm-hmm. And when you're confronted with that lie, what that what happens to you. And by the same token, mirrored or, you know, I guess in, in conjunction with what's happening that uh, people that people are <coughs> with San Francisco where people are changing the actual story of San Francisco to make it something else. And that film exposes both lies because they're detrimental to both things, both the city and the person. So I found that this movie to be incredible. And it's, it's beautifully shot, beautifully scored. Um, the uh, the use of the camera is incredible. The use of slow motion is phenomenal. The colors, all of it just is an incredible uh, film. Uh, and I wish more people had seen it. I really do. Mm-hmm. I uh, fell asleep watching it. No oh. knock against it. I started mm-hmm. before I went to bed. I was like, I got the energy for this. And I yeah. think I made it 20 minutes. I was just zonked. It's one of those films that just kind of... I will watch it. It was totally... Yeah. I was in trance, but okay. I... From five minutes in, I was like, oh, shit, this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, because it's not a fast film. No, I'm paced. trying to hold on. And yeah. then eventually I just was like, I'm gone. Yeah. I didn't even make the conscious choice. My brain just shut down. <laughs> it uh, does require your attention. That's for sure. Um, all right. Anyway, my number nine is uh, Little Women. I haven't seen it. Oh, really? That's one of the okay. four. Uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah, fair enough. Uh Absolutely loved it. Absolutely. Look, and I've said this over and over again. I was not their target audience. I am not their target audience. But this thing was incredible. A good movie is a good movie. Great point, Matt. A good movie is a good movie. I went. It's two hours and fifteen or twenty minutes. I went in there and sat down. I was like, "Let's see what happens here." And I thoroughly, yeah, because I was ready to positive attitude. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Which I think I'm okay to walk into because I'm always open to have my mind changed. And I went. I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen. And from the first scene, I was thoroughly into this thing, loved the joy and the vibrancy that Shirley Ronan and uh, Florence Pugh, uh, Laura Dern, um, everybody involved with the movie, uh, Emma Watson, um, everybody involved with the movie, Chris Cooper, all of them, Chalamet, all of them that they have in bringing this world to life. And uh, Greta Gerwig does incredible work as a director here, going back and forth in time with the story, which I liked as a new and inventive way to tell this story, adjusting the characters a little bit to fit within what she's doing here. It's a whole new interpretation that still honors the original, but certainly never um, loses your attention. And the score mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Really? So, all around. Yeah, all around. Just surprised by how much I love this movie, man. Sweet. Yeah, I would go again. I would totally go again. To see this thing, uh, are you setting a date? Is that what you're saying? Do you <laughs> want to go? Saying, we got both. We both got AMC stubs passes. Yeah. You got some free time. I, I do have some free time. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. And if, so you haven't seen it. Well, so if we do that, then we should do it in West Hollywood. I, oh well, I you know what? <laughs> Sunset Five. It is. <laughs> there it is. I like Sunset Five. Um, uh, I like it and don't really. Well, because if you sit in the back, the revamp can, is great though. Um, I've only been there a handful of times. Oh, okay. But if you sit in the back rows of 
the theaters, yeah. you kind of hear the jazz on the other side of the wall because it's right oh, there, that hallway. Right, right. So the sound bleed is a little bit – so like the seat selection sometimes is very Understood. specific of – Understood. Eh. Well, a few – well, five years ago, they revamped the entire thing. And now you can get like beer from – Oh, yeah. yeah. I went so you've been there. Three okay. months ago. OK. OK. Saw the that, farewell there. Totally get – oh, right. OK. Farewell. OK. Um. Yeah. All right. That, that's my number nine. You haven't seen it. So my number eight was a four versus Ferrari. So what's your number seven? Uh, seven is uh, – I was surprised, but, I, you know, I maybe higher, but I'm going to keep it here. Avengers Endgame. Um, all right. That's my number six. So, yeah. yeah, it's fun. I mean, look, to successfully land 20-some-odd movies yeah. and do it – look at Star Wars. Spoilers. <laughs> we don't have to get into it, actually, if you don't want to. But that, to me, is an unsuccessful land. I don't disagree. I liked it. Yeah, sure. It was fine for what it was, but it should have been epic. It should have been life-changing. Oh, so when I told you – so when we did Sports Time, yeah. and I was like, the, one, the Andy Ruiz, because the night before I'd seen – Oh, uh, yeah. It's like he looks like the guy that sat next to me in uh, Rise of Skywalker because <laughs> the dude that sat next to me looked like a slightly slimmer version of Andy Ruiz. Uh-huh. It was great. Uh, when Leia reaches out to Ben. Oh, yeah. That's your mom, bro. <laughs> In IMAX, sold out opening night. That's your mom, bro. Okay, buddy. Okay, he hadn't said anything, anything up until this point. <coughs> wow. Uh, but then uh, when they smooch at the end, oh. that's bad writing. That is bad writing. She just stabbed him like an hour ago. And Because some, some people were cheering. Right. Like it happening and he wasn't having it. And they turned wow. to the girls like, that's just bad writing. <laughs> I was enjoying it. It, it, I, it didn't annoy me. I was like, you know, let him have. He only said two things. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The bad writing just muttered to himself. Like, he didn't like anything about this movie. <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah, he's telling the truth. It was bad writing. Some people cheered it on. I'm like, I just you know, he <sighs> retconned so many different oh, things. Oh, God, he really did. I mean, he really did. I don't care what they come out and say in these interviews. I don't give a shit. I don't care how much the fans try to defend it and try to explain it away. This is a weak film and a weak written film, and they shat all over Jedi. My last Jedi, in my opinion, they, they kind of had to though, because that's yeah. not JJ's original arc for it. Exactly. So I wish they just own up to it and go, "Yes, we didn't like it. We changed some things. That was our decision." It just, I don't know, why, why, why did they bring the horses with them? Yeah, yeah. I, why did they bring – as soon as I see it, it's just like whatever. They don't have speeders. But it doesn't make why, – why would you transport the horses? Yeah. They're horses. In space. Mm. You're going to a space battle. OK. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and the snake thing, that seemed awfully fortuitous. Of course. The snake thing Awfully fortuitous. Was, that's the problem with the entire movie is that all the plot devices were so blatantly convenient to be paid off later that it was like there's not even an emo- there's not even an attempt to be artistically um how can i say this artistically intelligent about how you're laying the groundwork for this mm. she he- <clears throat> she heals the snake there's just randomly a snake there oh, yeah. all of a sudden she can heal with the force oh. uh, boom but they happen to land in the quick sand pit, yes, whatever that is, right. that drops down into the cavern yes. that has the Sith loyalists broken down, look like buggy jeep, that happen to have the knife. Again. That's, and then the snake, and then she heals the snake, and the snake opens up the door whatnot. And then the yeah. dagger is just Goonies? 
Yeah. It'd be one thing if then then you had to use the dagger to open a door. But right. Okay. It's a map and it's a key. Right. Perfect. That's fine. I'm willing to buy it at that point. Just she intuitively knew to turn it into a Goonies thing. Yeah. And then that's it. We don't need it anymore. Although Bobo whatever, awesome. Yeah. Pure oh, awesome. Oh, Bobo Frick. Bobo yeah, Frick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey! <laughs> at the end, that did get me. I was yeah. good for you. Yeah, good I'm for not, you. There aren't – there certainly aren't – it's not all bad. There are some funny good scenes I think in my opinion but – just some uh, – in my – just my view is like I think there's a lot of mistakes here, a lot of mistakes. We never find out why Snoke came back or I mean uh, how Palpatine came back. We never find out that. See, I don't think we need to know that. I think we do. I mean Vader killed him. If you're going to bring back somebody that was essential to the main villain being okay. being uh, <coughs> redeemed and then he's still alive, and you're like what the hell happened here? So – um. You gotta explain it away somehow. I guess maybe perhaps put him in another cloned body, not of because there's the the you know cannon yeah. or stricken cannon or right, whatever the right. f it is. I don't know why I'm cleaning it up all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Just anybody's tuning in for this specific sure. spoiler discussion. I respect that. Thank you. I appreciate that. That seemed genuine. Uh, it's I, uh, it didn't bother me as much, but you're not wrong. If they'd spent more time on that, yeah. Um, we still don't know why Ben left. We don't know why Ben ran away from his parents. We will never know why he flipped out and ran away from his. It was not just the Luke thing and Luke being afraid of him. There was some. There must have been yeah. something that happened, and we don't know what that is. Yeah. And if his mom could have reached him like that, she should have done that in the first movie. Well, maybe she needed Ray to be at a certain level to also draw his gaze, so he was more receptive because she uh, reminds maybe. him of on some level of his mom. Okay. That's my guess. All right. Yeah, I, I, just a lot. Man. There, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. And they meet one woman who is uh, what's her face, Carrie uh, uh, Russell's character, Zori. How does she get off the planet? That's <coughs> see, she gave up her captain's <coughs> medallion. Yeah, she gave. How does she get off the planet? It's just mind blowing. Then in 2019, you're going to write a film, and a lot of things have been highlighted now recently. Where like, don't do this convention anymore because you, it's stupid. He meets up with this woman that he used to know in the past. Mm-hmm. She's clearly got an issue with him. They have their back and forth. And, of course, it's to make it clear to everybody that he's straight. Um, and then she gives him – Oh, what? Him and uh, Finn? Yeah. They, well, that's – the. I think they overtly put a woman in there to make sure that it was – and then she gives him her most precious possession to help him get off the the the, the planet – Screw her, I guess. She's just gonna give it to him, and I was like, "What the fuck are you talking?" She just served to. She was served to to, to to prop him up. Nothing else. They did all this in sixteen hours. Yeah, sixteen hours. <laughs> right. Good point. Just yeah, getting right in sixteen hours. Getting to Endor, and then the skiff boat, and over to the throne room, and then back uh, out. I'm guessing that's three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe four. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then go on to this place. Like they start the journey and whatever that uh, the forty-two year festival. Yeah, yeah, place. yeah. yeah. Uh, that had to take a few hours. They go down to a snake pit. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's not a lot of time left here. Everything really went smoothly for you. <laughs> Someone called it Planet Burning Man. I thought it was really funny. I, I just love that. Ultimately, he's like Death Star, Star Killer. Fuck you. We got an entire fleet. <laughs> Everything could kill a planet. Just like the, the stakes are just recycled. Ugh. I didn't mind it in the first one. It's like, you know what? Right. It makes it palatable. Totally fine. And Lucas did it twice. Yes. But to turn around and be like, you know, you know 
to keep going with it. That's not a knife. Here's yeah. a knife, and you're like, okay, so what? The, the, the next one is going to be nanobots that all have you know fucking <laughs> right. guns that can blow up worlds. Oh no! It's like, Please, give me something. Don't do the Death Star again. Okay, we're not going to do the Death Star again. No, don't do the Death Star again. All right, we're not going to do the Death Star. Problem. What about Star Destroyers where each one can kill a planet? For mm-hmm. the love of God, no! I'm going to do it. I'm doubling down. So I don't even, care what the fans say. Even if you do the Hodo movement or whatever the lady's yeah. name was. Right, the older movie, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And Rose was just absolutely wasted. Ugh, oh, just a whole bunch of people wasted. Yeah. It was like a, uh, just a plethora of I don't give a shit. Yeah. I, st- I mean, overall, though, it's enjoyable. It is an enjoyable movie, it's, but the problems the are so kind of fun. obvious. Yeah. I know, yeah, yeah. How does the Emperor's lightning only affect the rebel ships? Right. <laughs> and I've seen it twice. Yeah. So the second, uh, ver- the second time I saw it, I counted uh, how long until he is shooting to technically when he stops. Yeah. And it's somewhere between a buck, uh, 110 seconds and 120 seconds. Oh, wow. So those ships were in free fall for two minutes. None of them hit the ground. Wow. None of them. They all regained. For two minutes. Two minutes. I don't know what the gravitational pull is, but it seems to be kind of like Earth. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's 9.8 meters per second squared. How high up are these? There's got to be some that were close to the ground. Right, right. Okay. Two minutes. You know. And I love it. And I go, oh, he built it in the unknown regions. Oh, the unknown regions. There it is. That's a place Uh on the map that no one knows about. Well, there's gravity wells. I don't even know. How do you pilot (laughs) through this thing? It's just <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Avengers Endgame. <laughs> this and this stuff. That was this, your mini. <laughs> but Endgame is how you land. Yes, something with just massive expectations. Yeah, to a degree that you know the the proven track record. We all knew you'd do it, and you did it. That's even more impressive. Yes, agreed. That you consistently put out movies that we all enjoyed. Yeah. Some more than others, but all enjoyed by and large. There wasn't, you know, a string of clunkers right in the middle. Right. Even if one didn't resonate with one of the two of us, general populace, you know, liked it. Yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, and to then land finally with all these characters and all these different directors' styles, and you know, uh, to bring the Russo brothers to bring in and blend beautifully, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, you know, I think I prefer Infinity War better. I think it's a more oh, fun yeah. movie to watch. Yeah. yeah, that's why this didn't rate higher on my list. Okay, even though Endgame they win, but Infinity War just like the stakes keep building, and yeah. we haven't seen the Avengers lose, and it was just interesting. Yeah, and I thought that was difficult too. How do you make the penultimate? You know, right? Good point. Uh, I, I enjoy this hell out of this one because, uh, like Matt said, they landed it in a way that you you, you didn't believe was possible, and they wrapped up almost every storyline mm-hmm. tone note perfect note. Perfect. I mean, the Iron Man loss and Stark doesn't say a word is beautiful. He dies without saying a word. It's so great. And then Captain America handing off the shield to uh, to uh, uh, Falcon and um, Bucky looking on. Great. And then you have uh, Black Widow. What happens to her? All of it just works so well. Um, and I loved it and the end, the entire end of everything. Nebula confronting the younger Nebula, mm-hmm. all of that. Uh, it just – and then that fight scene. I mean the fight scene is so – those three just walking, just brilliant use of the camera by the Russo brothers. 
where you have Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America just walking, and all you see is from behind them and right at their feet. You don't need to see anything else, no. right? You see the cape. You see the, the boots of Captain America. You see the, the Iron Man f- shoes or whatever, the Iron Man outfit. And you're just like, this is incredible. This is exactly what you want to see, a final confrontation. And so I just loved it to pieces. It's I've watched it, I don't know, 10 times. Like It's, just, it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh. So I'm just like putting it on in the background for no reason. It's so great. Well, it's purely like I, you know, I walk through the shadow of death yes. and I fear no evil. Yeah, yeah. Walking into it, the fact that Thanos is sitting there. And when you see it, it's beautiful because, of course, he would sit there. Yeah. Because he knows the fight is coming to him. Right. There's no need to push it. Nope. I know they're coming, so that's fine. Here's just as good a place as any. Yeah. Go ahead and bring – test your metal. I will destroy you like I've destroyed everybody before me. Yeah. And that is – that is not arrogance. That is confidence. Right. That is borne out by he has done this to countless worlds and peoples before and he knows that technically in an alternate timeline, he has already accomplished this goal. Yeah. So he will accomplish this goal again. Yeah. And the hubris is earned. Yeah. It's, Th- it's thoroughly uh, utterly fantastic. And just, uh, you know, when Cap finally says Avengers assemble. Oh, man. Just in that little assemble. Yeah. You're like, oh. <laughs> 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 well, just the, it's, I mean, when he catches Mjolnir. Yeah. That first time, like, bing. Yeah. Uh, that's the nerd boner. And assemble oh, is great. the nerd explosion. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great for it. Two characters that in comics never really worked for me. Yeah, yeah. Never a big Thor, Captain America fan. Totally fair. And yeah. in the movies, man, they have just brought them to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have, yeah, the three of them go down into it. But everybody had enough of a presence to where they felt a part of the movie. Yeah. With all of these characters. Agreed. Thoroughly agreed, brother. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was your seven? It's my seven. That's my six. Go ahead. What's your six? My six is Joker. Uh, that's a punt. Okay. Um, so then my seven is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a punt. Okay. What's your five? Wow, that was easy. Yeah. Five is Marriage Story. Oh, yeah. I didn't make my list, man. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed the movie. It's just a lot. And I just felt like I didn't see it as special as everyone else did. But I enjoyed the movie. What sold me on the movie is – because I'm not a child of divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like most of my friends are on, you know, by and large, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but what sold me on it, two scenes. One, when they're having the fight with each other and Adam Driver breaks down and cries. Incredible fight. Utterly, yeah. utterly transfixing. P- that has happened. I've had that fight. And it's mind-blowing to watch that fight yeah. in, re- in, in on a movie screen. Different so words, honest. same emotion. Yep, different words, Yes. But just the bend of the like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, yeah. when he was like, if I can find out tomorrow that you, you know, Henry's, I think it was Henry, yeah. name was on, is okay and you died and just going, ah, and just right. so much emotion boiling over. Uh, for that scene, like, that scene alone, he's in contention for best actor for me. Oh, that's fair. Just Only for that one fair. scene. Yeah. Um, but at the end, when she gives their son over. Yeah. And he's got him up on his shoulder and whatnot. And he starts to walk away and she stops him and taps him on the leg so that she can tie his shoe. You can see that there's the honest reality of there's still love there. Yeah. But they've just grown apart. Right. And they need to recognize that and try and live fruitful, healthy lives mm-hmm. beyond. It sucks. Yeah. Maybe one day you'll get back together. There are people that do that. But to see that the glimmer of – because as he's reading that piece of paper, 
and to his to his son. That's another yeah. where oh, yeah. he's breaking up and the positive things that she felt about him and then to close on, I will always love him. Yeah. To know at the start of this process she had that and it's genuine just as he will. But they just need yeah. – unfortunately, they're not, I don't know, compatible anymore. Yeah. But the glimmer of hope when uh, he finds out that she's been nominated for an Emmy, Emmy and he assumes it's acting because he doesn't know. Right. And it's for directing the look of genuine happiness, yeah. not resentment for something that I should be getting. Right. It was like oh, you finally – and you and to see that, just like there's love. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. Perhaps they can't get the rest of it to work, and then the shoot. And I was like, that to me ultimately is a more hopeful story that people paint it as, because at least they matured and grew, and hopefully they're better for it. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, man. The journey is 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 well worth the payoff, and they're both incredible in the movie, Uh, and the distinct in the the honesty in in every stage of this film. You know, from the divorce stuff, then the lawyers getting involved. Um, you know, her being selfish about what she needs because she wants to put boundaries up and she's not sure how to put boundaries up. Mm-hmm. Him like wanting to be to push past those boundaries, to knock down those boundaries and not realizing that that's the behavior that essentially drove her away to begin with. Yeah. All these kinds of things that they both had to figure out and then eventually come to terms with. And eventually and that fight was so integral because they both got out what they've been wanting the worst things in the world that they have felt about the other person. They got it out. And in getting it out, it's like a release. It is. And then you're like, okay, now the healing can start to begin. Can you move forward? Right. That's what I loved about it. It's kind of a a twist on what they – at the beginning when you have the psychiatrist going, tell them everything you love about them. And it's like, nah, nah, bitch. We got to go down into the well and go at each other in a terrible way and then we're going to climb out of this thing and figure it out. Mm -hmm. But some people need to do that. I'm not saying it works for everybody. But I'm saying some couples do need to do that. And then they climb back out and discover the love again because they've released the negative stuff once and for all. And the other person has heard it and and affected them. Uh Catherine knows somebody that they go to couples counseling every week. Wow. And have been for a long time. Holy shit. Yeah. It's like, wow. Okay. Well, if that's what it takes to get it to work for you. I guess And so. it seems to be helping. Yeah. You just maybe need someone to help mediate between the two of you and like, this is how I viewed it. Right. Okay. Well, look at it from this perspective and just to take an outsider's, perhaps it's healthy for them. Yeah. So maybe some people are not, some people might aren't self-analytical. And so, mm-hmm. you know, having it presented to them in a certain way, then they get it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting situation. Um, yeah. Uh, that was my five. What you got? Okay. Uh, my five is Jojo Rabbit. That's a punt. Okay. What's your four? <coughs> Excuse me. Four is Once Upon a Time. Okay. Which uh, was my seven, yeah. The, I mean, DiCaprio to me, this is another, like, uh, his performance is in the discussion uh, for best of the year. It could be my favorite of the year. Wow. Okay. For... Numerous scenes, mm-hmm. numerous scenes. My favorite of which was when the little girl tells him that she is so enamored of his acting. We saw that in the trailer, and to see it uh, live, yeah, knowing that's what it's building to, and then the payoff was better than it ever could have been. And I have already seen it. I was like, "This is yeah." He is goddamn right. Like in that moment, <laughs> he's about to break. Like fuck yes, I just like yeah, you best recognize type of thing. And he's, you know, she's describing that story to her. And mm-hmm. She's like, hey, you have no idea what's coming. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. Over and over and over again. But the buildup when I knew the dog was coming and then I was like, oh, flamethrower. 
and then flamethrower comes out. I was giddy. I was utterly <laughs> giddy. I know a lot of people are dinging it for the hyperbolic violence at the yeah. very end. I don't know how you end that movie otherwise. Well, I mean, it's certainly set up to end that way. I just think it was – well, anyway. Yeah, I totally hear your points. Um, I think Brad Pitt's incredible in the film too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not taking it away. I'm happy he won at the Globes. Right, right. Uh, I think he'll win the Oscar. I really do. I think he's a great supporting actor in this movie. Man, it's Yeah, but once you get relegated to the music comedy, that kind of hurts your chances overall, I think, in the Oscar. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, the film was only – it was categorized that way, so it, it couldn't win in drama. So. I know. But was – okay, yeah, but uh, – well, I'm just saying, but when it comes Oscar time, yeah. now that you've already been deemed comedic and musical – Oh, good point. Does it really cross does, over? Is yeah. it really yeah. something well, we are going to be rewarding? It's rare. Although once Rat- upon a time, it shouldn't have been in that category. Okay. I, I don't think it's either, really. Okay. It's not a full-on drama, but it's right. not a comedy. Right. And it's surely not a musical, so yeah. I don't know what you call it. That's fair. Um, my issues with it, obviously, I didn't like the ending. I thought the ending wasn't earned because these kids were never shown to actually be a real threat. I mean, Brad Pitt took them all out essentially by himself. That's so, right, though. To, but, yeah, and it was a good scene when he did it at the at the ranch, totally. Yeah. But that means they're not that, you know, uh, villainous a crew. So when they show up, they're competent buffoons, and then you absolutely destroy them. You're like, what? This does not... To me, this doesn't com- – there's no compare. The punishment is way too severe for the intention of a crime that they bumbled into. They weren't trying to go to kill Sharon Tate. Okay. That's the thing. If they were going to kill Sharon Tate, they were going to her house to kill her. Yeah, but then it turns DiCaprio and Pitt into superheroes that intercede on Sharon Tate's behalf somehow. Right. And that's what would have been interesting to see. Like maybe Brad Pitt's walking the dog, hears her screaming, comes in. DiCaprio sees them fighting, then he runs over, then it becomes something else. Then at that point, they have actually tried to do something destructive. DiCaprio and Pitt are both shown to be fallible people. Yeah. So for them to be in line to be killed, it's not necessarily a not like 100% a bad thing. But uh, Sharon Tate has been shown as an innocent woman who's mm-hmm. acting and trying to do her life and is pregnant. And so like – and everyone wants her. So that's more of a virginal thing that if they were going after that, then I would have thought it was warranted. So that's my personal thing. That's why yeah, I didn't like but, it as much. But then people could turn it on like, a, why does she need to be saved? Can't she stand up for herself? Yeah, well, sure. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. But you, that you could turn it around I, and have I her do think, that. Once you base it on the Manson uh, family, but you're not going to do that story, uh, to me, like this seems a very logical outcome for right. this illogical story. Yeah, okay. Um, and I also didn't like the Bruce Lee stuff. I, I know it was through Brad Pitt's eyes, but I still didn't like it. So, See, I, I dinged it. I loved it because it's his recollection. Right. I know. I know. It's utterly fictitious. Mm-hmm. It's a narrative that he is telling himself to make him feel better about himself. Right, right. So it's not real. I know. But I guess most people are missing that, but. I know it's more. I know it's not real. It's just my, my thing is that's the only way you show him. True. Because you can Grab show him. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Because you can't show him again when he's like training either Polanski or Sharon Tate with his martial arts or whatever he's doing. You could show him like not being the arrogant prick. True. And that's you the balance. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would have liked. So the, you know, reality you're trying to tell yourself. Yeah. Versus and what we all experience. Right. And that would have been funny to have Brad Pitt have mm-hmm. the reality come to I him in some comical way. Uh, but yeah, but still, an incredible film to watch, and I certainly enjoyed myself in the theater for almost the entire movie. So 
I have no complaints in that way. Certainly a good experience of a film. Totally would see it again because I think oh, yeah. uh, this one's a high rewatchability. For yeah, me. Tarantino does an incredible job of capturing that time yeah. in Hollywood and that time in the '60s in the in uh, Los Angeles in the world. I went to go eat at Casa Vega because oh, I had been there in forever, <laughs> and it was better than I remembered. Actually, Casa Vega's good, man. I, I used to live I not far from there. there. Yeah, uh, two separate places. Get I lived those... behind that Ralph's. Oh yeah, it's yeah. not far from there. Right, there's a Pier One or something right around that area too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that bowling alley right down the right. way. Yep. And yep, yep, yep. Yeah, for a short while there, and then I lived further north of Casa Vega. And I, was, I haven't been there in forever. Yeah, just like the El Coyote. I've no, been there for never to go to hell. That's terrible, Mexico. Is it? I've been like twice, and I was like, yeah. eh, it's it's fine, but yeah. it's overpriced. Yes. It's not for what you get. Yeah, Casa Vega though, that's good shit. I was good, and their margaritas are fantastic. Uh, yeah. Well, dude, what are you just a fucking enabler, huh? You want me to <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm fall sorry. off the wagon, <laughs> you son of a bitch. It's fine. I'm sorry. Catherine brought up uh, scotch last night. She went out with a, a vendor and one of her employees <laughs> after work. Yeah, and they, uh, she's trying a, a new diet. It's not really a diet, but she's like, mm. I, I want to cut out some things and see if it kind of makes any difference. Yeah, you know, maybe I feel better, maybe I don't. Just figure out. Like, oh, okay, sure. And she was trying to think of what spirits she could have or like she knew she couldn't have beer or wine. She's yeah. Like, yeah, can I have anything else? And uh, they're like, what about scotch? And she came home and told me. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said scotch because that was always my favorite. Oh. And I'm like, listen, it's coming up on 13 years in less than a month. If that's what's going to set me off, <laughs> then I'm amazed I made it this far. Like nobody could say the alcohols that I like. Whiskey. Oh, my God. Let's go to a bar right now. Did you say scotch? Ooh, ooh, I can't help myself. I know. I did start thinking about it. I was like, oh, the taste of scotch. That sounds good right now. Scotchy, scotch, scotch. Uh, down into my belly. Love me some scotch. But what she ended up settling on, if you ever had this, uh, I want to see what your reaction was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tequila with uh, soda water and a twist of lime. No. I was like, ooh, yeah. not for me. That's not my jam. I only like the Nejo because they, they aged it in mm-hmm. uh, scotch casks. Right, right, right. So it gave it a scotchy flavor. And I was like, now that's tequila. But I never liked any other tequila. Right. No, because the edge doesn't get taken off by having the soda water so. in there. No. And I was like, I never drank the shit. What's because the point? I yeah. only liked the shots of Anejo. And, uh, yeah. and she was like, yeah, it was terrible. And I was like, it sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. we, had, we had a great drink last night at the thing that was a gin with apple juice. I can see that. And I didn't think that that could mix. And I chased that. It was incredible. Yeah. So from now on, I might be ordering that. It's, it's incredible. It's a food. lot of sugar. It was. Yeah, you're right. It is a lot of sugar, which is probably yeah. why I liked it because I, I like things that are sweet. Well, well, that should feel a worse hangover the next day. It should be. But I don't get it. I believe that's the simple math. At least it is was yeah. for me. The yeah, more yeah, sugar, yeah. the worse the hangover. I just don't get hangovers. So. Uh, well, sounds like you're not partying hard enough, man. <laughs> I party pretty hard. I don't know. For whatever reason, I just don't get them. Never had a hangover. She gets them. Oh, Lindley gets mad hangovers. I couldn't even imagine at our age now. Hangovers. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no there's no chance. She's had to accept it, man. Crossing that 40 line is a real line to cross. Your body does not bounce back anywhere near the way it used to, man. No, I've got a cold that's been hanging on for two weeks. Yeah, see? What I'm still it? coughing now. From that fucking bronchitis bullshit. At Christmas, there was 15 of us at my parents' place. My sister was sick, uh, and so we'll exclude her. There's 14. Uh-huh. 12 of us got sick. Oh, fuck. 12. Over the course of like a week, we were all roughly there. Yeah. And different stages because oh. my nephew who uh, lives in San Diego, he picked it up from them and actually went to my parents' place a few days before everybody else. Yeah. 
So then he kind of spread contagion throughout the house, and then the, her family showed up. It's the second time in three years that she has just run wreckshod. Uh, my she my dad had to go to urgent care. Oh shit! Well, eventually he was just coughing too much. And that's like, what I, I, that's I have to. Me. Yeah, so I'm to me, man. Yeah, we were uh, skiing, and he couldn't go out skiing with me. Oh. And the next day, he was we were getting kicked out of our con. We're well, not kicked out. We had yeah. to check out by 10 a.m. Right. And I was going to go skiing, and he was going to sit in the car and just, what, cough all day? Oh, yeah. And I was like, that's not happening. I had a little bit of cough, so that was enough of an excuse to be like, I was coughing last night, too. Why don't we just go home? Right. Oh. Yeah. Uh, And then we went home, and thankfully, he went to urgent care, and they put him on antibiotics and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But two years ago, she sent my brother to the hospital, and my dad was on his deathbed for like six days. This thing has been hanging with me. For two weeks where it's just kind of – it's a like it's a, on a 1 to 10. Yeah. I've had a 3 for two weeks. Oh, fuck. Well, it's just my nose will run for like two hours right. and then it's done. Okay. And the past two days I've woken up with a cough, but it's done after the first hour of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have a small one every once and again. Right. It's done. But right. it just – it won't go away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't. Everyone's reacting to this one differently. It's weird. Um, all right. That was your number four? That was my four. Okay. So my four is The Irishman. Didn't make my list. Oh, wow. Okay. I love this movie. <laughs> really? I had such a great time. I thought it was good. Yeah. Three and a half hours. Saw it in the theater, the premiere. Okay. Saw it again uh, when Lindley was out for whatever reason last weekend. I was just like, popped it on. It was like Netflix popped it on. Just watched it. Yeah. It is a great film for me personally because I'm such a uh, Scorsese fan and such a fan of De Niro and Pacino and Pesci mm-hmm. just to slide into some old sneakers and just wear them for a little while. And that's what it feels like when I watch this movie. It's remembering Goodfellas. It's remembering Casino. It's remembering the great stuff that came before. And just Raging Bull. And just enjoying these men all working together on this film. Now, does it have a couple issues? Yes, of course. Certainly Robert De Niro trying to beat up that guy doesn't look believable at all. Looks like a seven-year-old man trying to stomp on somebody. Uh, that one, everybody brings that one up. That yeah. one to me is less egregious than when uh, Pesci is helping him fix his truck. Oh, yeah. And he's like, all right, kid, get on your way. And he's like, all right, thanks. And uh, like, hold on. Even de-aged, he looks 52. And Pesci looks 55. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree. So, uh, even I don't the disagree with you. Yeah. That's the one where it's like, hold on. So how young is he supposed to be? So that's what I was focused on for the first, like, hour. How young do I think he is right now? <laughs> he obviously fought in World War II. He did. But he seems even old to be fighting in World War II at this point. Right, right. They flash those back. moments, yeah. Yeah, it's only like 10 years before, so it made him in his 40s. <laughs> I guess you would have gone. I mean, I, I believe Tom Hanks and Private Ryan. Yeah. Private Ryan, he's right. rough about that, so I yeah. guess. <clears throat> but nobody called him kid in that. No. So. Yeah. I mean, um, I liked it. Look, the, the three and a half flew by. Yeah, it really did, right? Flew by. Yeah. And I, overall, I, I don't dislike it in any real capacity Mm -hmm. i just thought it was like i watched it and was like okay yeah yeah maybe it'll be like wolf of wall street for me where i'll see it again and i'll be like "Mm, okay okay and then you see now wolf of wall street i love yeah and i think it's got so many different rewatchable parts the first time i saw it i went that was good Mm -hmm. uh but i don't i don't know i don't think so though okay i'd rather just watch goodfellas no fair. Uh, I I like it because like the opening and the (coughs) the opening and the ending are so are so perfectly done of leaving the door open, you know, leaving him there at the end, and then 
the way we walk into the film is like through the hallway to see him and everybody in the stories he tells and the, the it's heartbreaking how he has to kill Hoffa in that like it is heartbreaking seeing what he has to go through all of that's really emotional and the stuff with his kids just showing you like just because you provide doesn't mean you get away with it and the ramifications of it with your family sometimes. And you see that. And I think that all comes to bear. A lot of people complaining about Anna Paquin's life. But she said, she's like, are you kidding? I jumped at the chance to work with Scorsese. I think she's an incredible character in the film. And she has a lot to say without saying it. Mm-hmm. That's what the best actors do. They speak without speaking sometimes and are just as devastating in a scene. And so – I think all around, it's just a fun, fun watch for me. And I got real emotional watching it two or three times. I mean, like watching two, um, two or the three scenes, like when when Pacino is so desperate in that moment, you're just like, oh, my God. Like you're just heartbroken for this Jimmy Hoffa guy who could be such an asshole. But you feel for him as a human. Like when he's just like, Dumb, oh, then, oh, just let him, uh, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. Blah, blah, blah. And he shows up in that thing and he knows what's going to happen. Oh, man, it's just heartbreaking, dude. And But Pesci is incredible. Pesci is just incredible in this movie. <coughs> Steals everything he's, he's in. Yeah, he's my favorite part, hands yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing against De Niro Pacino. No, Pesci no. is effortlessly drawing my focus yeah. in every one of these scenes. I mean, every once again, every single time he looks and mm. doesn't say a word, is just so powerful. And I love the, you know, he's basically De Niro's rabbi. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, when he goes to take out that other laundromat and he's like, you don't know – Comes back and it's uh, Kaitel. Kaitel. Yeah, like, you don't know how good a friend you got here. Yeah, no, he's, he's my good friend. No, you have no idea. And Pesci doesn't say a word. Nope, doesn't need to. Nope, he just kind of has a little wry that, smile on his face. That's why at the end, when they're sitting right before they, he, you know, puts him on that plane. Yeah, it's like plans changed today, and De Niro wants wants to push back. Oh, so bad. But this is the one person in the world that he can't. Right. Because he's stood up for him so many times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like the movie. It just – Yeah. It didn't have – I was expecting the moon – like the Sebastian as a gallo. Mm-hmm. You could cut all that out. That has no weight to the overall story. Oh, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah, So yeah. there's 10, 15 minutes that I don't think we really need to prove the bona fides of De Niro. That's fair. In this capacity, maybe. But I don't think so. Yeah. I'm a, I also think it's a good me- – it's a strong message too about this idea of like you know um, what you all, what you end up as. Like you could have all the vigor and the verve of your 40s and 30s and 50s or whatever. And then by the 70s or 80s, you're, you're sitting in a prison and you've got a hump and you can barely move and you, you can, you're throwing a bocce ball. You're, you're in a wheelchair. Like that's what you end up at with all your power, all your, all your virility. You end up broken in a, essentially a nursing home yeah. in prison. Jail or death. Yeah, jail or death. And it's like, your only way out. And this still, that's why it still rings the, – the message of Goodfellas rings through this movie. This idea that there's always a price to pay at the end. Yeah, there's – very few. It's I think never what, as good as you think it is. Frank Costello yeah. was one of the few that got to retire. Yeah, right. and still had influence with him, but he no longer ran things. Right, like it's it's rare. You don't get to the height of organized crime, at least from our understanding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've been <laughs> to a meeting. You've been to the mattresses. Uh huh. <laughs> well, I've never had to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> you never I'm go to mattresses. That. I don't oh, get, fair enough. Fair I don't enough. get my hands dirty with that nonsense. <laughs> I'm more Meyer Lansky. You know, I help with the big decisions. Uh, you tell him that. <laughs> not a problem. What's your three? Three is Parasite. Uh, oh, that's my two. Okay. I love that movie, man. Yeah, it was a th- I think the only reason it's not higher is because everybody told me going into it, it's oh, their favorite movie of the year. Gotcha. And gotcha, I, gotcha. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It's my three. Okay. But uh, 
I already knew my number one right when we were doing this. My number two changed mm. not long ago. Okay. Put it that way. Okay. Um, the dad, the, the scene where he's doing the acting and his son is oh. coaching him through. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Uh, I remember him from um, uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Mm-hmm. The, what is that, South Korean yep. adaptation of Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And he was my favorite part of that. Yeah. And then that's why it took me like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I was like, where have I seen this dude? And it's like, oh, yeah. Right. He's my favorite part of that so far. <laughs> he's kind of, you know, when he's, uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes in, you don't see him all that much. And then yeah. he comes more and more uh, throughout. But just a beautifully constructed movie. Yeah. It, it's got a nice build. The payoff of how things actually turn out in the end yeah. just works so nicely. The acting all around is incredible. Uh-huh. Uh, and the twists and the turns and this idea and the messages that uh, Bong Joon always trying to tell you about class, about money, about humanity, and also about sometimes the vainness of dreams. This idea that you hope it can going this way like at that end you're just like oh did it mm-hmm. did he get out did it all oh my god this is a happy ending and you're like nah this is what he hopes might happen but they're still poor even poorer than they were before oh. well even less of a situation <laughs> than they had before yeah you see that dream transfer yeah. where he's got all the money and he goes down and he, he kind of believed that that's yeah, how you it's do. gonna end you do you kind of like okay I guess this would be motivation enough right. for someone to have to to try to do this and then it's just a pipe dream. Oh, so brutal. So brutal. Right. Because there's always this ugly underbelly waiting below that could happen to you. And that's what was so brilliant about Parasite. And you just went back to being – you were always the same person. Yes. So why is this suddenly going to change you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the event was so huge. That's why it was believable of if there was ever going to be anything that propelled yeah. a wanderlust like this kid seemed to be on some level. Mm-hmm. Not that he's actually wandering around, but he wasn't settling. You know, his friends right. were off going to college and right. private tutors and all that stuff. And he's just some army kid. Yeah. Or he did, what, two years? Something along those lines. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. The twists and turns of all of it, just incredible. And the score and the movement and the yeah. camera. Work. I just wish there was more of the dad. Yeah. But maybe he was so excellent because. There was know, less of Yeah, yeah less yeah. of him. And there's yeah. nothing against the the mom, daughter, son. No, no. The other characters in it, they were all great, but yeah. it just he sparked every time for me. Agreed. Um, that was your number three? Correct. So my number three is Joker. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, I thought this was going to be my number one film of the year. I really did for a while. And then I saw Parasite, and it kind of pushed it back. Uh, and then I saw my number one and pushed it back. So um, I will say this. This is a film that I absolutely still enjoy very much. So I've seen it three times now. Okay. Um, I think it absolutely has a lot to say about the, what he's going through, the character, how we treat these people in society, what the results can be. Uh, and I think a lot of people were uncomfortable, didn't like that the mirror was being turned on them as a society. Of what we do, we actually do step over people all the time. We do ignore people all the time because all of us try to get to the next thing. All of us are trying to just get to our own lives and we don't even take that moment to look. And it isn't until someone shoots someone in the head that someone finally pays attention. Um, Is it perfectly executed throughout the film? No, I don't think so. But I really enjoy the performance, man. And I really enjoy the the, the score is incredible. The visuals are phenomenal. Without a doubt. This is an art house film masquerading as a superhero film. And it is off the charts uh, um, incredible. The the dancing. Yeah. 
the first time you see it and it's this weird uh, – it's almost like tribalistic or animalistic. Yeah. Because he's been so defeated and he finally kind of feels alive. Yeah. Had to murder somebody to do that and how does your body express that? Yeah. This kind of – this release that you didn't know existed and to see it manifest as a dance and seem organic and real. It's like, wow. Because I remember seeing it in the trailer and I was like, I don't know what, what that is. The rest of this trailer looks really interesting. I'm not dinging you for this. Right. But where does that scene fit in? That's interesting. Yeah. And to see it actually uh, come to life. It's like, wow, this – his interpretation of the choker, of that manic laugh. Yeah. You know, he expressed all his emotions via that laugh. So it's sadness or melancholy. There's a laugh for that. Mm-hmm. If it's excited, there's a laugh for that. If it's genuine humor – there's a laugh for that, and you could see it within his performance, mm-hmm. like when he's playing with a little girl, and the mom, uh, you know, bats yeah. him on the nose, in essence. Yeah. And then his laugh after that—that's that's pain. Yeah. That's I—I I was doing nothing wrong. We were having a nice moment. Why would yeah. you take a nice moment away? And yeah, it's it's really good. Maybe he goes up. I've only seen it the one time. Okay. I'm um, holding back because I want to kind of yeah. you know relive a lot of the grit to it. Yeah, I, I discovered this third time watching it. <coughs> Uh, something symbolic with, with where he's laughing and he keeps choking at mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie. And at the end of the movie, there is no choking or the last few minutes of the movie. Every time he laughs, there's no choking because he's finally himself. Mm-hmm. What he's been choking down is who he really is. And it's symbolic in that nature. So that when the film, those last few scenes of the film, he's laughing with abandon of pure abandon and no restraint at all. And it's no. like, oh, see, there's he was always this. And he says it in that moment at the end. He says, I'm, I was just so tired of pretending like I didn't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so he's finally embracing who he is. For better or worse, he's embracing who he is. And it's like, oh. Because everyone wants to talk about like, oh, you should be the best part. You should be who exactly who you are, uh, blah, blah, blah. And this is who he is. It goes both ways. Exactly. You know? So There are rotten eggs. Yes. Yes. That's just how it goes. Uh, all right, that's your, uh, your number two. That was my number three. Three. So my two. Yeah, this is your two. I'm pretty sure is your number one. Yeah. Which is 1970. Yeah, it's my number one. Uh, Hands down, Matt Nost. <coughs> uh, I'm, uh, punt from yours earlier was my favorite movie of the year. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. Fair enough. Enjoy the living shit out of it. I know I'm going to be watching that a lot. 1917, I don't know. I will rewatch it. Yeah. It is rewatchable, but the other one has more of a rewatchability. I enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. unique. I didn't know how they pulled it off. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, 1917, the single shot, knowing it, uh, going into it, but seeing what Mendez did with that, mm-hmm. utterly captivating. I love that as the story actually builds, they go from this idyllic outdoor setting and they're all relaxing and they're, they're you know, basking out in the sun and enjoying themselves. And the reality of what they are about to do begins as they walk into the trench and the world around them gets more and more claustrophobic. Yeah. And that's how the story stays until the very end when it's not. And uh, just that's how, okay, all right, yeah. now we're starting. And you can just feel You can feel it. I saw it in IMAX. You just feel this world enclosing around yes, you. Yes, yes. It is gorgeous. It's uh, World War One, like I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love crossing of no man's land and then going back into the bunker and seeing the German bunker. Yeah. A lot of them were way better than anything the other side had put up. <laughs> right. Germans are pretty good at that. Yeah. Plus they, you know, there, right. there was reasons theirs was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. They actually had a, a fucking a plan that they needed to execute. I believe it's called the Schlieffen plan that 
they thought they calculated that if they could do it in a specific amount of time. They could win the war before Russia could deploy their forces as long as they took out this side. Wow. And they did it as fast and as overly like produced as they could. Yeah. And they'd be able to browbeat them down, bend them to their will. And by the time Russia got there and even uh, Russia's history is we show up and we're still a little unprepared. Yeah, so it yeah, takes yeah. us a little while to get going. But once we get going, boy, we got millions to throw at you. So <laughs> what's up, Jack? Uh, but uh, you know, I guess the Russians showed up and were more a little more competent than yeah, they had been previously. Not great, uh, right. but to see like to go back and to see all oh, just these huge casings yeah. sitting around in heaps and the concrete, you know, uh, footings that they poured for the cannons and the bunker that is so professionally done right. and the booby traps and then that's only a tiny fraction of they get into that burned down town. Yeah. Or oh, he gets into that right. He does. Rather. Yeah, yeah. That was another thing that was great. That twist of the, of the what happens to the other kid. You're just like, oh man, wow. fuck! Like that was a brilliant decision, and it makes sense because war doesn't make sense. A death like that makes all the sense in the world in a war. Randomly, in a moment where he's trying to help somebody, that's the punishment that he gets for trying to help a an enemy. And you're like, oh my god. Um, all of it. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think you let go of the gimmick after the first 20 minutes. You're like, okay, this is just what it I is. I never felt it again. Let I me th- enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just fades away after a while. You just marvel at this, at what he's created. The the uh, scenes from hell that you see him like going into the uh, that uh, um, uh, basement of that girl with the girl and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's like trying to glimpse of the possibility of like just laying low and not know. But then 1,600 people are going to die. He's got this responsibility yeah. and then having to run through all of that to try to get there in time to get through all these different people to find the right person. And what a great moment Richard Madden does as an actor as the brother who mm-hmm. has to like hear the news. What great acting he does in that moment too. All of this – and it just shows you at times the futility and the almost overwhelming nature of war with one person or two people trying to complete a mission that could save so many. That's the madness of war. And there's so much – that I think he's trying to say, Sam, is with the movie about war and about our society and our proclivity for it and what's what we really need to be doing. And I just think it's – I think it's fantastic, man, all around. And the score is phenomenal. Good God. It's so beautifully written in its simplicity yeah. too. Yeah. Like when Mark Strong stops him right before he leaves and he's like, make sure there are witnesses. Yeah. Because sometimes a man just wants to fight. And you hear that and you're like – yeah, I've read enough accounts yep. where people, I mean, went into odds that were stacked against them because they just hell or high water. They're winning today. Yeah. You're like, that was a bad decision. Yeah. And you thought Cumberbatch was going to bristle. And once he sees, oh, no, I'm yeah. not going to kill my men needlessly type of thing. Right. And the man that stops him at the end is like, good for you. But with Madden, when yeah. when he's looking off and the, the kid's going to walk away and he turns around and he's, can I, can I write – do I have your permission to write to your mother? Yeah. And tell him about him and how brave he was. And just that, yeah. when he goes to shake his hand afterwards, that is fun. I mean, small role, but I'll be damned if I didn't believe that was your brother and now you're trying to cope with. Yeah. And I, I love that about all the really uber famous mm-hmm. actors they mm-hmm. used in it. Just Colin Firth float in and out. Of course, he's the general. Right. We don't need to see him again. Right. And you just see these small but excellent actors interacting, kind of just shepherding down the path yeah. a little bit. Uh, this is why you cast the way you cast. If you're going to have these kind of really smaller roles in a movie, you got to cast an actor of real versatility oh, and yeah. weight. That and can good. bring the complexity. Both of them are good. The kids oh, yeah. Game of Thrones. Yes. 
But the kid that ultimately is like, that's a tough role. It is. Um, to be I'm, compelling without chewing scenery type of shit. Dude, the, the bunker blowing up on them is so believable, man. Cool. And their reaction with the dust in their mouth, you're just like, oh, my God, I know that. That, that makes so much sense. That's oh, brilliant. Yeah, it is. All around. There's a mine shaft that turns into Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got to trust me and jump, even though you're blind. Um, yeah, so that is my number one. What's your number one? Let's break uh, it down. One is JoJo. Yeah, JoJo Rabbit. It's going into it, I didn't know Hitler was his imaginary friend. <laughs> really? I just knew that Hitler oh, was in it. Okay. That's why I don't want to know. I, I saw the premise. I saw the trailer the first time. I was like, I'm in. Yeah. And then the buzz coming out was, this is really good. And then, so the first, I don't know how long it is before you can kind of piece together that it's his imaginary friend. It's in that first scene before he goes out yes. running down the street. Yeah. So I'm giggling. The rest of the audience is laughing, and I'm giggling because I'm having the conversation within myself of, are we really trying to humanize Hitler here? Yeah, yeah. And once I realize it's his imaginary friend, I'd be like, well, of course. He's a Hitler youth, mm-hmm. and that's his Michael Jordan. Right. That's his whatever. It's a cult of personality that doesn't exist outside of somebody like Hitler. Yeah. And, of course, he's going to be like, you know, can I say, hi on Hitler, hi on Hitler, you know. Later on when he's in his bed, that's what best friends do. I warmed it up type of thing. Went from confrontational to we're buddies right? over and over and over again. But to see the reality of the war from a German that didn't support, mm-hmm. a, you know, you're humanizing some of the individuals that got swept up in the politics of their day and didn't say anything before. Yeah. And now they have to live with the results of keeping quiet. And she's yeah. trying to do something by – at least getting one person through this. Yeah, and she's – I mean this is some of Scarlett's best work as an actress. Mm-hmm. Just really incredible. I mean of course Mary's Story, people literally love that. But I liked her more in this. I found her more um, – I just found her more alive, more human in this than I did in necessarily Marriage Story. Well, marriage Story, she's the it. one that starts the lawyers, which yeah. starts the evil side of the process. Right. So you kind of gravitate towards Adam Driver as being mm-hmm. the nicer of the two. Yeah, that's fair. At least I did, but I assume. Yeah. That's I think that's absolutely fair. It's just, but I, I I just there's something about her performance here that really was tender and sweet and vulnerable. And this idea that Scarlett, who we saw in Horse Whisperer, is now playing the moms of things is kind of mind blowing a little bit. Um, but in doing it so well and, and so tenderly, and then that relationship between the kid and Thomas and Mackenzie, the Jewish girl that's mm-hmm. in the in that they're harboring in the house, how that develops, uh, all of his brilliant. And then of course the Taika Waititi stuff. And I agree with you, Matt. The first ten fifteen minutes, I was like, I don't feel comfortable with this. And and then it eventually gets you. So, well, once he's running out yeah, on the yeah, street, yeah. I know he's a – Right, you know, imaginary thing. Imaginary friend. Agreed, agreed. I'm fully on board. Yeah. What else you got, Taika? <laughs> it certainly does. But he still gives Hitler that moment right before he dies. You see the ferocity oh, yeah. of what Hitler really is. A maniac. Yes. And you're just like, oh, shit. And Sam Rockwell and uh, – Yeah, Rebel uh, Wilson. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the uh, Allen, Alfie Allen. Oh, yeah, That's right. Sam Rockwell's like, you know, they appear to be lovers. Yes. They're designing the perfect, you know, fucking uniform. <laughs> Just great to go out in a blaze of glory. Why not? Who cares? And Rockwell... Uh, you know, helps him at oh, the end there. Saving the kid there in that yeah. moment is just really just beautiful, heartbreaking tender Well, because stuff. he's he'd be killed in this instance yep. if people actually knew who he was. Right, right. And Stephen Merchant, the thankless job of being... <sighs> Everything that's evil about the SS and yeah. Nazis. Yeah. That's that's a tough bill. Yeah. yeah. In a movie where everybody else kind of you don't you can't really ascribe a face to the evil. Right. You are the face of evil in this. Mm. Really good. Tiger does and Tiger does a incredible job with that script and with the direction, man. Yeah. Just really making you feel everything. So yeah. <laughs> no nope. buddy wearing the the cardboard. <laughs> 
the height of German technology type of it's the latest in military, uh, you know, advancing. They're like, all right. <laughs> Just over and over, they, they managed to find good human. I've, they I've, really did. I've read other accounts of people saying that they liked it and then just he, they thought that he lost the thread of of what he was doing by the end oh uh it's like okay i don't really i see don't that. disagree because at the end there is this unification between the girl the the boy and the girl or the girl as as a way of showing you like you know it's amazing what can happen when you don't leave with hate you know i i i, I don't disagree at all and then he kicks hitler out like he just kicks yeah. her out like, which is great uh, all right. Well, anyway, that's uh, each of our lists for our top ten of 2019. Should we read them in case they're still doing graphics? Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. My number ten is Apollo 11. Nine is Peanut Butter Falcon. Eight is Ford versus Ferrari. Seven is Avengers Endgame. Six, Joker. Five, Marriage Story. Four, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Three, Parasite. Two, 1917, and finally number one is Jojo Rabbit. Boom. Well, my number 10 is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Nine, Little Women. Eight, Ford versus Ferrari. Seven, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Six, Avengers Endgame. Five, Jojo Rabbit. Four, The Irishman. Three, the jo- uh, three Joker. Two, Parasite. And one, 1917. All right. Let's put this list together. Matt. So 1917 is number one. Yep. That's a one, two. Okay. You got Jojo where? Four? Five. Five. Parasite is 2-3 then, so mm-hmm. I would say Parasite. Okay. Um, and then JoJo. Okay. I think would be... Yeah, because Joker's lower, right? Yeah, I've got okay. it at 6. Yeah, yeah. And you got Joker where? Uh, 3. And once... Yeah, I think that beats Once Upon a Time because you have that, what, 7? Seven? 7 is Once Upon a Time. Okay. Yeah. Joker, uh, so four seven. Can we beat anything on that? Because once upon a time, then we take five on this list. So JoJo's already on. Gotcha. Avengers Endgame is at six. You're five, right? Seven. Oh, six and seven. Okay. And four versus Ferrari is down there at eight. So yeah, yeah, we got to lower. So, all right. Once huh? upon a time. Okay. Where are we at? Uh, number six. Okay. So I think that goes to Avengers. Yeah, makes sense. Oh. Okay. The Irishman is still up there for me. At number four. Okay. Are okay. we there yet? Uh, I think the last thing we have in common is Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. So say we just do that, get it out of the way. Okay. And then Irishman after that. Uh-huh. Okay, that's fair. Because that's the, the highest left of either of ours. Okay. Uh, I have Marriage Story at five. Uh, yeah, that beats mine. I don't have anything else left to above five. What's your next highest? Um, nine. Little, little Women. I got Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, man. I haven't seen Little Woman. Uh, do you want to flip a coin? We might have to. Is it the last one? It is number 10. Ooh, I feel like it's fair for us to flip the coin. I flipped last time, so feel free. Good memory. <laughs> uh, I need to take the other coin out of... I got two coins. One is all right. This is the good one. All right. All right. Flipping it. Here we go. Let's, Let's make it happen. Ready? Yep. It's coming to you. Oh, all right. It's yours. It's Batman. Boom shakalaka, peanut butter falcon. There you go. Nice. Uh, there it is. There is our list of uh, 10 all for right. best of 2019. Let's break it down. Uh, are we ready? Yep. The top 10 films of 2019. Yeah. At number 10. A peanut butter falcon. At number nine. Marriage story. At number eight. The Irishman. 
At number seven. Ford versus Ferrari. At number six. Avengers Endgame. At number five. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. At number four. Joker. At number three. Jojo Rabbit. At number two. Parasite. And our number one film of 2019 is... 1917. That's right. 1917. Uh, There it be. There it is. There it was. (laughs) 2019. In the books. Hopefully 2020 is as good as this year. Yeah. I got others. I want to see... So the two we brought up, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm -hmm. I've heard nothing but good things about that. Uh, And Richard Jewell I haven't seen yet. Oh, man. That's good. It almost made my top ten. It was so, so close. All right. What about Uncut Gems? I love Uncut Gems. I, I saw it over the weekend and saw Lighthouse as well. I really like the I Lighthouse. I haven't seen that either. Oh, man. I'm curious to see what you think. It's a visual film. Okay. And it's shot in 4 by 3 the whole film. Oh, interesting. It's not 16 by 9 um, Yeah, I liked Lighthouse for what it was. And certainly enjoyed Uncut Gems, but I can understand why people don't. Like, my, like Lindley turned it on. She walked away half an hour. Oh, in. no. It's not fun. No. But I liked it. It's like walking a razor's edge the whole time. The thing time. is, I don't know if I'll ever see it again. That's oh, why yeah, it fair. didn't make my list. That's fair. Nothing against it. It's just like, it was really good. Yeah. I'm never revisiting you. <laughs> uh, I just saw Dr. Sleep. Okay. Way better than I ever anticipated. Really? Way better. Okay. It didn't how get the best a, reviews. Yeah. How do you make a sequel to a movie that doesn't need a sequel? Right. And they managed to find a way that okay. was interesting. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, there, there are numerous others. There's tons of good movies. I still have seen The Nightingale. Um, I haven't seen Knives Out yet. That's good. People like that. That was close. Yeah? That was close. Yeah. Um, I didn't think it, even if it was great, I didn't think it was going to threaten anything that was on my list already. So. It might surprise you. Yeah? Yeah. All right. All right. It had some really, uh, fun, interesting, funny moments and, uh, it, it keeps you on your toes. Okay. A nice amount. Done and done. Yeah. It was good. Um, all right. Well, that's our uh, top ten list of 2019. Um, what do, how do you want to end the show, Matt? Do we want to say anything? Is there anything more to say? Uh, no. Just look for us with the, the announcements on social media about the reimbursement. As soon as we have that, we will give that to you. Yeah. And we'll get that. And uh, Houston, we are genuinely looking for a new venue. And uh, we'll have some news for on that front. London, we're coming May 2nd. Please hit up kingsplace.co.uk and grab yeah. those tickets now. And uh, if you want to support us over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10, we thoughly appreciate it. we got tons of fun stuff. And uh, that Patreon content is coming in the very near future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can follow Matt at Matt Nost. Uh, you can follow me at The Roca Says. I will say this on a personal note. You all know I've left. Uh, I've been let go from Collider. So uh, shockingly, I started my own YouTube channel. And it's got up to over 10,000 v- uh, subscribers in under a week, which is insane to me. Thank you all so much. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, trust me. Trust me. There's a lot of content coming. It's uh, YouTube.com backslash uh, John Roca says. They wouldn't give me the Roca says. So please subscribe if you haven't subscribed. Uh, and also I have a Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash John Roca. Go and uh, donate to, to help me uh, put more content up on that uh, channel. I've met with uh, a gentleman who has a studio. We'll see what goes from there um, and all of that jazz. But stay with us with Top Ten. we got a lot coming up this year, a lot for the patrons, a lot for the fans. Uh, a lot's going to happen that's going to be great for the Top Ten show. So thank you to everyone. And uh, that's it. That is it. Thanks for tuning in. Good to see you guys. See you next week. 